This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hello, hello. I've missed you all, but we are back. Season three of The Real Mom Podcast, and oh my goodness, we are starting off with a bang. Today I have for you one of my favorite authors and new favorite friends, Rebecca Lyons. We talk about her new book, which was released earlier this week, and I think it's number three on all of Amazon charts. And there's a reason it is. It's because this book is good. And we get to talk about the book. We get to talk about implementing rhythms into our lives and true self-care and what that looks like. And then we talk all things adoption. Earlier this year, she adopted her daughter from China. And man, we just had a good time. This was a great conversation, and I'm so excited to share it with you. This is season three now, the first episode, My Time with Rebecca Lyons. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Wonderful. How are you doing? Good, except that I am trying my very hardest to not fangirl right now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. No, I'm basically sitting here in sweats, Well, um, unbrushed hair. And my dog's on my lap, so. Well, okay, all that aside, first of all, you look great. But second of all, all of that aside, the gift that you have been to me and to so many others, I don't want to go on and on, and so I'm not going to. (laughs) But I will direct it all specifically at the beautiful book that I just read. Oh, wow. Rhythms of Renewal is... Sometimes I read books because I'm going to have the person on my podcast and I have to read their book. Mm -hmm. This to me felt like a divine appointment. It felt like, oh, I should read this book because I'm going to talk to Rebecca. And it was exactly what I needed, exactly when I needed it. The questions that have been stirring in my heart and then the answers coming from, it was a gift. So I want to hear a little bit more just about what brought you to writing this book and what it's been like for you to live it. Yeah. Well, this book began really um, nine years ago when we moved to New York City. Uh, We thought it would be a great idea to move three young kids in elementary school (laughs) from the suburbs of Atlanta to Manhattan. That's when most people move out of Manhattan. (laughs) I noticed that. I felt like I was high-fiving people on their way out, and I had no idea what what I was going into. But um, my youngest was starting kindergarten, and I had ended that decade of diapers, Cheerios, and poop. Like, Mm. like, oh, I'm going to recover who I am. Kids are in school now full-time. Figure out who I was before kids. I just, you know, you can't remember. At least for me, I just had a little bit of a blur. I loved the season, but I did feel like I kind of got swallowed up a little bit in my home. Like I just didn't really know how to reemerge. Um, and so when we got to New York, why not reemerge in Manhattan? <laughs> so I remember thinking, um, I was pursuing meaning. Turns out I found surrender instead. And today I know that meaning follows surrender. And four months into my time there, I had my first panic attack and I didn't have language for it. Then I just was on a flight, something rose in me, and I just felt overcome, crippled in feel, felt like I was having a heart attack, kind lip, but it was still birthed out of a little bit of claustrophobia, like, if I don't get out of here, I will die. I felt trapped, swallowed up. It was so strange, but it began that day and continued for the next year, planes, trains, elevators, subways, and crowds. 
And I Which began- New York is just the best place for that, yeah. if that's a struggle. Yeah, I was like, I basically can't do anything or go right. anywhere. Right. Except walk. So I did a lot of walking. Um, and about a year after that, I walked into a healing journey from some friends who prayed with me. And I remember one night crying out and just feeling the peace of Christ just flood me in a way that everything was still for the first time. It was the first time I didn't have to run from an from a situation to get out of that panic trap. Um, and it's, it's hard to explain panic attacks. Most people don't get them. They get anxiety, but panic attacks are... I've had panic attacks, so okay. I'm there with you for sure. Your body is not even responding yeah. in the way that your mind is. So, like there's no rational sense. Your, your body's responding as if you're being held at gunpoint. Mm. And if you, know, if you don't get out of that situation, you, you literally are fear, afraid for your life. But it doesn't make sense because you're like, I'm just sitting here. Why am I so gripped and consumed by fear? And so the adrenaline, the pain, like it's just, it's horrible. But the point of the story is that, that, that I felt a rescue in that season and I felt a healing journey begin. I went to the woods, wrote this story. I never thought I'd be a writer, but I wrote the story the crash and burn in my first book called free fall to fly. I didn't know where the story was going, but I do remember coming back into the city and, um, after being out for a few months, a couple months, and I had to go several flights underground to take the, the R train to long Island city, the QR train. And, um, I remember it kind of rising in me again. It was almost like the muscle memory was coming back. So I got through that one train ride, but I was freaking out inside. And I was like, Oh, great. I, I haven't moved away from New York. I still have to face these places. And I remember writing in my journal that day, just this idea, literally I wrote rhythms of renewal and, um, just that I needed to put some practices in place. I needed to figure out, uh, what to do to try to live a life of health. So it was like faith worked obviously and prayer and peace and all of that was working but it was still like no but what are these natural things like the practice of it yes what's actionable what's practical what's approachable and what's free <laughs> like to me i was like i don't have a ton of money um but i can you know be proactive on some purposeful things and so that's when i started fleshing out these rhythms and honestly it's been eight years of practicing them paring them down into four simple ideas because yeah. As I wrote the second book on freedom, this I still kept getting a lot of questions from people, but how, but how, but right, how, right, right. How? And I was like, okay. And so this book is not meant to be prescriptive. It is meant to give suggestions of things I had to learn the hard way. And, but they are so broad that I do believe they do fall in this God's created order for our life. Yeah. yeah. Even the boundaries of rhythm, what they allow is a flourishing, sustainable, healthy life. Yeah. So I haven't been in a season and I'm not going to ask you to be my therapist right now. So I won't fully jump in, but I haven't been in a season of panic. What I've been in a season of is building my life to the fullest point possible, which you refer to in your book also of just like, there is no room for margin. There is no room for rest or even for anything to not go the way it's supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. There's no room for error. <laughs> exactly. Right. And really having to come to grips with my limitations, having to be really humble and see that 
that I can't save the world, that just because I'm called to certain things doesn't mean I'm called to them all at once. And really seeking to answer what life should look like. So, you know, my therapist, my husband, they're all like, you need to build in rest. You need to build in margin. And then I'm kind of like, okay, but how? But for the first time, I'm convinced that I need it. Well, then I read your book. And like you said, it's not prescriptive, but it felt to me like, okay, I've been walking around like something needs to change, but what? I need to change something, but how? And especially the first part of the book, because I think I have the connect and the create more. Like, that's what I'm good at. I'm good at, at the production. I'm good at relationships. I'm not good at being still. I'm not good at, at being intentional with creating rest and mm -hmm. restoration. That to me is like, I don't even know where to start. And your book was such a gift mm -hmm. for me in that. And I think that that is something that a lot of foster and adoptive moms really wrestle through because we have such vision for what we're doing sure. and such joy for what we're called to that it's like, well, I should just do more. If you can save one kid, you might as well save seven. And, you know, it just, it's so hard to not jump right into that savior mentality that we all know is wrong. Right. Um, well, and what if, you're the one depleted because you're so, there's so much output going. That's why the rhythms are written in that way. You have two exactly. rest and restore and two output rhythms connect and create. And so often everyone jumps to output, but they actually have, you can't give what you haven't received. Exactly. So we can't operate with strength, like the energy level we had five years ago. No, we have to operate with the, operate with the energy level we received this morning or mm. yesterday week because these rhythms are not like you've arrived so you don't you don't have to do them anymore no it's actually a new it's a rebuilding a life in a way of health so you'll never really arrive to where you don't need rhythms the rhythms actually are the cadence and the um, the guardrails or the framework for health so as long as you want to be healthy you need to keep doing rhythms um and, and I, I agree with you I think I was so much output too that I we hit a wall of burnout absolutely exactly. If there is no margin or no room for error, then um, I found it, I found with me it got to where I would always overreact to people. I was always impatient. I was annoyed easily because I was just like, "You're incompetent. You're too slow." What? I was like being a total jerk to people, um, and even myself. It's also because when you're gentle on yourself, you're gentle with others. When you're hard on yourself, you can be hard on others. So it's almost like it still even came from my own sense of like inadequacy or insecurity. So I just push myself and then push the people around me to kind of keep up. It was very unhealthy. Um, and it's only when you get to that place of burnout where you're like, I could really, right. know. like I basically have nothing to offer anymore. I might as well just quit everything I've ever believed in. <laughs> Not really, but just stop pushing. Right. And maybe I think that that's when God's like, Oh, finally, thank you. Like right. exactly the work I began in you, I'm faithful to complete it. You don't have to be the one doing it. Yeah. So I mean, like you use that word surrender of just, okay, this isn't about me accomplishing something. This is about me surrendering. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you can address the idea that is floating around everywhere now of self-care yeah. And self-care being kind of like another thing on your checklist rather than a complete reframing of, I am going to, like you're saying, live in intentional rhythms yeah. that, that really 
create a life of health? Well, it's interesting because self-care without God is a new religion. Right. Okay. <laughs> and that's not what I'm calling people to. It's, there's plenty of people who deny God and really care for the, themselves. So good. The problem is what we still fail to recognize is that if we believe that God is the creator, if we are people of faith, we do choose to believe that he created us and he created order and he created intention and he created in rhythm, right? So even in creation, the story is evening and morning, first day, second day, third day, light, dark. Um, we've got we've got seasons. We've got I mean everything's in rhythm. Everything repeats itself. You know, constellations, planets, waves on the shore. Everything's in rhythm, and then our bodies are in rhythm. Heartbeat, <clears throat> excuse me, heartbeat, pulse, um, breathing. Menstrual cycle. Yeah, menstrual, unfortunately. <laughs> that keeps coming back around, right? Right. So it's like, oh, wow. Okay, so if we submit to that, then it's no longer self. It's not us saving ourselves yes. with self-care. Right. Like, it's not a humanistic approach. It's, it's a, hey, actually, we're submitting to the created order as it was intended. And so because that comes with some guardrails where God was like, hey, I'm not casual about rest. That's not optional. In fact, he decreed rest and mandated rest for his people. And he said, you need to rest the land every seven years. And if you don't, after they didn't do it, they didn't obey. They wanted more production. Productivity was over rest. And finally, he exiles those people for the 70 years. And that is me. And I feel like God is trying to rescue me right now from like, okay, I can produce a little more with this year that you told me to put aside. Not that I'm supposed to put a year aside, but that I'm supposed to put this thing aside and I want to overproduce here sure. and, and expect God to bless it. The crazy thing is we can either proactively take a sabbatical right, or we can lose a year of productivity due to burnout. Right. So what do you want? Do you want the proactive or the reactive? It's not like a punishment. I don't think he's slapping our hands, but he's saying, hey, there's still a boundary and a framework for what flourishing looks like, right? If we had plants blooming year round and they never had winter or they never had fall, then we would just have flowers upon flowers upon flowers upon flowers. And then that would actually affect like the insect population and the bees. And, you know, it's like, he's like, everything has a creative order yeah. in rhythm for a reason and our bodies and our minds and our hearts are no different so self-care I think this book could be seen as like hey there's there are things that I do um, because I know that when I fall in within these god-given boundaries and like a playbook really a, like a guidebook of what he's created us for then I live a life of flourishing but it's not I didn't make these rules. It's like God actually established this and I'm just now finally recognizing it and I'm choosing to be proactive about it. So often in the church, we're just teaching the one rhythm of examine the heart and confess. And sometimes we don't even teach that, but, but, and that is, that is it. But then also God says, now go out, be the hands and feet. Mm. Um, early church grew and became viral because they extended hospitality in the connect rhythm, right? They cared for one another's needs. They bore one another's burdens. So all these things are what we're called to as people of God, sons and daughters who are beloved and appointed and who are not, our worth is not measured 
on what we bring. It's just us actually just walking in the way, walking in the way that God intended. So good. Yeah, I think that godly self-care starts from a point of humility, not of building up of self. Like I am so important and so I need to, it's, oh God, I am not the savior you are. I am not the creator you are. And so I'm going to stop operating as though I can just do all the things and stand in humility and I'm learning this. (laughs) And it's an honoring, it's an honoring of, even the call or the assignment that we might be given, it's a stewarding, right? Like even in parenting, you know, we're like, we know we are given something to steward. So we could try to do it all in our own strength or we can say, God, I really want, I submit to um, what you want me to learn through this, how it prunes, how it sanctifies. I want, I want to mature in my mm. this life as a parent, right. as a wife or as a daughter, a sister, a friend. So all of it really is for our maturity to grow. Um, And honestly, it's such a societal need right now because of we are a people gripped um, in fear. We are people gripped in anxiety and and depression. And if the church doesn't somehow um, form a new groove on how we live this out and walk it out, and it's really an old groove, like we're just rediscovering these right. have always been there but we're we're being very intentional and proactive on how we live that out um then it gives the world something to at least consider right like say you're not a person of faith but you're like i've tried everything i can't get rid of my anxiety i've tried i've tried every kind of medication or i've tried and 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 sometimes medication definitely is for a season but the goal is not to stay on it forever the goal is for it to actually you get through counseling and therapy and, and get practices and get a support group and get friendship. You know, like you, we can't do this alone. We are communal as a church and we've got to show up for each other, for people who are struggling and feel like they have nowhere to turn. They need, we have to rally. We, we cannot like just be in our own worlds trying to fix ourselves. It's, right. it's never going to work. All right, friends, interrupting just for a second to tell you about one of my favorite companies. Fawn and Foster is my favorite baby essentials company, partially because of the product and partially because of the mission, because they are both right on. Fawn and Foster is a baby essentials brand that donates 50%, that is no small number, 50% to helping foster children in the U.S., specifically through our nonprofit, Foster the Family, which brings essentials to a family immediately after a child is placed in the home. This company was started by Foster and Adoptive Family, and they sell organic baby essentials like muslin swaddles, burp cloths, bandana bibs, nursing covers, reversible quilts, beautiful products, high quality. I buy them for all my babies and I gift them to anyone I know who's going to be having or caring for a child. Every purchase directly helps a foster child. You can get your hands on their stuff by visiting fawnandfoster.com and using the coupon code FOSTERFAMILY. That saves you 20% and it donates 50% of the proceeds to Foster the Family and our work of supporting foster families and children. That's fawnandfoster.com, coupon code FOSTERFAMILY. Go get your stuff. You're going to love it. 
I want to switch gears a little bit, though, because you mentioned parenting, and I want to talk a little bit about parenting. Specifically, you adopted your little girl from China, and I would love to talk a little bit about your journey. Um, and I think your journey into special needs adoption could be a little different from some others' journeys. Um, so can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, so my firstborn, Cade, was born when I was 26. And we found out six hours after his birth, it was very traumatic, sudden failure to thrive, all these things, emergency C-section, that he had signs of Down syndrome. So we sent off genetic testing and it was confirmed a week later. And so that was my entree to motherhood. And I look back and think, wow, God really allowed that to happen for me to start to really awaken because I grew up really performance based, like mm. always measuring my worth by my latest accomplishment. Cause that's where I felt affirmed or known or loved. It just felt conditional. And I think he, he brought Kate into my life at the beginning of motherhood to teach me what unconditional love really meant. And so all of a sudden I've got a son saying, mom, are you going to love me for me? Not for what I can do or accomplish or what milestones I can meet. Cause even on his first birthday, I was still crying because I thought surely by now you were supposed to crawl. And all of a sudden it was like, God just kept reminding me like Cade is Cade and he's going to do what I, what I have him do when he's ready to do it, when I have him ready to do it. And you need to continue continue to surrender expectations or achievements, um, even in your children, like stop seeing them through that lens or stop seeing yourself. Right. Like you didn't work hard enough. I mean, we were in eight therapies a week by six months in. Mm. And the reality is there's just a spectrum of, of like low tone, for example, in down syndrome. So you have people at all different developmental levels. Um, spectrum of, of even IQ or a spectrum of, developmental delay. So, you know, I learned all those things really early. I learned them in my mid twenties. And I think it, you know, James says, count it joy when you face trial, because it helps mature you and make you complete lacking nothing. Well, I'm certainly not lacking nothing, but what it did do in my twenties is I felt like it matured me by at least 15 years. Oh yeah. Having to face life differently than, than I was ready for quite frankly. And there was some grief like surrender with it, but also almost a new like surrender to an uncharted and forever changing path. And all of a sudden I had to just go, okay, this is what you have. And I trust you and I want to learn and I want to be the best mom I possibly can, even though it's like the death of a dream that I yeah, thought right. to look or be or whatever. Um, then we have two more kids and then, and then in the adoption story, I just, we just kept feeling this I don't know. It was a three minute conversation every three years. And finally, <laughs> I love that. That like, is so many adoption stories, right? a three minute conversation every three years. Now we're like, well, could we, should we know we're full life? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. And New York's in the middle of that, right? We were in a thousand square feet in an apartment downtown and I had our three kids lined up like three bears. I was like, I'm not even sure where we would put her. <laughs> so we get to Nashville five years ago and the conversation kept surfacing in our community a lot of people were fostering adopting um we're like could we do that we just we just couldn't shake it it's like sand in your shoe like you just you don't know what to do with it you really feel deeply um inadequate or up for it but you can't shake it so for sure so I do remember 
pulling into my garage and, um, you know, just hearing, uh, I just said, God, if you want this to happen, bring her right here and I'll name her joy. And that was the response to depression season, just wanting to kind of redeem those years that were stolen or lost of when I just was really struggling in New York city. And then two years later, I got a photo of a girl and turns out her name is Cara, which means joy in Greek. And I knew we wanted down syndrome and we would love a girl that was a little older, but that was still, we just tabled it. We were not on file anywhere. We weren't with an agency. We hadn't done anything. And all of a sudden here we were like at 20 year anniversary deciding to go back to kindergarten. (laughs) Right. So that's what we did. We brought her home 10 months ago. And I remember telling my husband, like, this feels like it felt the day that um, I got Kate's diagnosis, but um, perhaps God gave us Kate. Um, because he knew there'd be a joy and we'd say yes. So it's almost this idea of like choosing Down syndrome this time around. Yeah, I mean, you said that very flippantly, like we knew we wanted Down syndrome, we knew, I mean, clearly you are equipped to parent a child with Down syndrome. Well, more equipped than, than someone who hasn't. But then how much more even like, okay, let's, let's just, do it a little bit easier this time around. Like we know adoption is going to be hard. Like why was it such an automatic for you of like, we know we want Down syndrome? Well, because I think um, what we've learned actually parenting Kate for 18 years, like some of the best things in our lives have been a result of being his parents. I love it. Just walking that faith journey that first year led to my husband leaving a very secure job as a VP of like a wonderful successful organization and then like starting our own nonprofit on our couch, you know? Um, and we've never looked back. Like our whole work has been just faith upon faith upon faith. And God has never left us lacking or wanting. There's just been this, like, I'll give you enough for today. And then tomorrow just keep going. And, um, and so I think it, you know, and then New York was that same thing. It was just like, let's just step out in faith this way because we knew God had some things for us to learn. Turns out I had some real big things to learn. My ministry was launched out of that OB. Right. Even though I wouldn't have, I did not want to go. That is so beautiful to see that. This, this thing that you didn't want, you would have never chosen. And yet, right. And even with joy, I think it was this, I felt this conviction a couple of years ago, like it's been a few years since we've risked everything and put all the chips back in the middle of the table. And I'm now between Kate's birth or um, nine years later, I moved to New York or then now, uh, you know, nine years later, eight years later, saying yes to joy. Um, I feel like God's just continues to say, do you trust me? Do you trust Mm. me? me? I'm going to invite you into something more. And so for us with Kate, we were like, we're never going to fully be empty nesters anyways. Like we always would joke that on our 50th anniversary, we'd go back to New York and like go to the top of like the, well, we went to the Empire State Building where Gabe proposed to me. And then we had like dinner at The View, which is this Marriott Marquis restaurant that spins and it doesn't really spin, but you know what I mean? Like that rotating yeah. kind of restaurant. <laughs> Spinning while you're eating, that's Yeah, it's doing. like a ride. Yeah, but we were already joking. We're like, we're gonna already have Katie hanging out with us. Like, and so- how fun to bring joy in to like just have her with us and then of course you know wherever god has her for you know once she's out of school that's great her developmental um her developmental journey is different than kate's and that's mm-hmm. great Every kid has a different you know 
kind of out, like whatever that looks like looks different. We don't know what we don't know. But anyways, all that to say, we love it. She is so beautiful. And I love what you're speaking right now. That is what I would see is the gift of Down syndrome Mm -hmm. in the joy that you experience from this little girl and from your son. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. And I think God knew I, as a firstborn type A control freak, you know, Mm. high performer, like push, push, push. He's like, you need a couple kids in your life that could care less about what other people think. Right, right. And that you can't use as trophies of like, look, you put in the good work of good parenting. And then there's this, right. Right, exactly, exactly. And, and just to remind me to be present, they're so present, you know? They're like, um, I know you're on the middle of like a call or you're trying to do an Instagram live, but we literally just want to sing in our underwear right, right. now. Right. <laughs> machine. So can you be, can you just wrap that up? This is, this is where we are. Yeah. I, I need that. Mm. I, I want that constant interruption. I think it's, I think it's sacred to have people in your home that keep calling you back to uh, being fully present. So it's good. Well, they are beautiful. And to see you celebrate the gift of them is really beautiful also. Thank you. So I want to talk about you a little bit. I want to know what you're doing, eating, reading, watching, and listening to. So what are you doing? What am I doing? Okay. I'm walking a lot. I'll walk out um, every morning. I'll try to get out at 6.15. And we have a little hiking trail that's adjacent to the house. And so today I saw like a little deer family in front of me. I loved that part of the book. That was one of the like, there are things I know I need to build in, but reading that I was like, yes, I, especially as a writer, like I want to build that into my writing days now of just walking and thinking and then being thrilled to come and type it all out. Yeah. Because you, you get all these ideas while you're walking. Yeah consciously trying to think of something so then it's more subconscious is connected yeah oh why did I never think of that right and it's not like I need to sit down and produce it's just yeah I that was one of the things I'm like I need to build this in yeah that's my favorite and I it's it's a way to talk to God or if Gabe goes with me we start the day together so we're getting connect rhythm in and so good rhythm in so yeah I love walking cool all right yeah eating what are you eating Every day right now, I'm such a creature of habit, but I always have um, avocado toast with Ezekiel bread and um, we have chickens. So I have a farm fresh egg fried over medium on that. Do you have sriracha sauce. Oh, sriracha. Okay. Cause the, the sauce there is, I was going to say, do you have Trader Joe's? Oh, I do the everything. Okay. You knew where I was going. I don't know. I'm with you. So tracking. So I have the everything bagel topping from right. Trader as well as Trader Joe's sriracha sauce. And I put it all on. I like, you go all out. I like a cartwheel in my mouth. I like all the flavors. Okay. So here's the real question. Do you use the cinnamon raisin Ezekiel bread? No, I just use the regular. Oh, that's the only I way I do avocado toast. I don't think I could do cinnamon raisin with sriracha. You just said you like cartwheels in your mouth. I think I know, but that I feel like that's like stepping in a cinnamon roll. <laughs> it's so, try it sometime. I've never done sriracha, but I do the everything. Okay, I'll have to try that. I have never even heard of the cinnamon. Oh, so good. Okay, what are you reading? Okay, what am I reading? Um, hmm, I have so many things going at once. Um, 
I have like four things in my closet right now. I mean, that is me at all times, reading at least four books. Okay. Right now, um, I keep going back to the liturgies, like, because right now I'm in just a real busy output season. So I just keep reading Every Moment Holy by Douglas McKelvey. In fact, I quote his, one of his liturgy, the liturgy for morning coffee in the morning routine book or the morning routine chapter. Yeah, I remember that. He has so many. I'll like read one a day for sure. All the time. I love just feasting with friends. Um, The first fire of the season, a a trip to the shore. I mean, he literally has a liturgy for for those who can't sleep. You, changing diapers, doing laundry. I, I love that. Um, just again, just these just beautiful prayers of inviting God into the moment. Um, so yeah, for that. And then I have another one that's like an older devotional right now called um, More of Him, Less of Me. And it's 365. And I think it's been, it's been out for a very long time. It's like, you know, when you go back to the ones that have been around a long time. You're like, this isn't trendy. Yeah. This has stood like, the test of time. I like books by dead people. Yeah. I a lot of books from people that are like written 50 to 100 years ago because I I really am an old soul. I, I don't, I think I would have done real well. I would have loved to live like when the church began, you know, I would have loved to just been like one of those crazies, like who needs whatever, let's throw all our money, you know, I, I don't know, or like lived, you know, when, even like when we were colonized, just, I don't know, I just love like the onset of new adventure. So I am an old soul. I like old books. Well, and that's you with your ministry, like, okay, I'm going to step out and we are going to blaze the trail here. It's funny. One person was telling me a couple of weeks ago, she's like, you're revolutionary she goes, you are a revolutionary and I'm a reformer. And I was like, what does that mean? And she goes, well, a revolutionary runs ahead and people are like, what is she doing? She looks, yeah, yeah, yeah. looks a little crazy out there. Whereas the reformer is the one who can turn like something big from within. And I ain't got no time for like me neither. <laughs> I was just like, I'll, I'll let y'all like turn the ship, but I'm like going to go out here and swim. Right. Myself. I got these ideas I'm and I'm going to jump faster than that ship's going to turn. And right. it, it may or may not be true, but for whatever reason. Well, and you need both. You, you do. need both. You do. And I think my husband's actually more of a reformer. Like he really has the patience with big things like cultural shifts mm. hang in there. And I'm like, man, I am so in awe of yeah. that, that tenacity. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. All right. On to lesser things. What are you watching? <laughs> See, I don't really watch TV. Um, I did the latest documentary I just watched, which my doctor was like, stop watching this stuff before you go to bed. I watched documentary. So, um, I just watched one nation under stress by, <laughs> yeah, it was an HBO special on, um, it's just like really a state of where we are, you know, it's, they called it deaths of despair and it's like shortened lifespans in, um, on our soil it, particularly in white males, but it's based on three, three kind of deaths, whether it's opioid addiction or psoriasis of the liver, like alcoholism or suicide. And so it was, it was really unpacking like how much we have to, what do we do when despair is, despair is when you believe things will never change. And I think I'm, I'm speaking to that in in my books too. It's like, do we give way to despair? Yeah. Or do we, do we invite people in? And mm. 
and let people just be surrounded by people. And so that's something on my heart right now. It's very sobering to think like we're, we're now at a point where our lifespan as a society is shortening due to this, due to despair. And, um, and so I feel convicted around it. Like, okay, how more can we as the church come around each other? Hmm. Because it really, um, it grows when you feel isolated and alone. You really do believe like life is better off without you. People are better off without you. Um, the pain becomes too great. Um, and so I just, that's weighty on my heart right now of like, how do we be fully present first for our, our families, yeah. our loved ones, our children, they're walking through such hard things in Gen X or Gen, I'm sorry, Gen Z. Um, and I'm just like, I got to make sure I'm healthy in my rhythm so that I can actually give them what they need and encourage them in their own rhythms. Um, and so part of it's just being wise with whatever 24 hours we're stewarded each day, what's the best proactive way to spend those hours um, for ourselves and then to help the people around us that really need it too. Yeah, so good. And and that's kind of circling back to that self-care. It's not really about us. It's about us knowing God. It's about us loving others. And it's really, it all comes together. Well, that's probably not the answer you were looking for when you're like, yeah, I was looking for like Homeland or something, but <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm watching those deaths of despair. <laughs> Wow. So I will watch a good SNL monologue and make it through like four minutes. And then I'm so, <laughs> That's great. I, do like, I do like, I'm, I'm a good comedy. I love yeah. comedy. Um, funny comedy. I'm just, that'll get me every time. Like yeah. smart comedy. If only it didn't start at 1130 and yes. <laughs> you'd be able to make it. Hulu, so I watch everything late. Because, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't got time for an 11.30. Right. All right. What are you listening to? Um, I'm just listening to podcasts a lot right now because we started our own podcast a couple weeks ago. Yeah, okay. Talk about that. Okay, Rhythms for Life. My husband and I are doing it together, and it's really around the same principles of the book, um, Rest, Restore, Connect, and Create. And so we didn't talk a lot today about those output rhythms, but connect and create as relational health and create is your work, like your passion, your, your talents, all those fun things. But I've, we've only done three episodes and it's just been so fun. Like It is so fun. I had no idea. Yeah. It's this whole medium when you love to write and then you get into social media stuff and that's a different medium. And then there's this medium of just just like sharing your heart. Not everything is so sterile right. and thought about. It's just like, yeah. let's come on and share and you connect with people differently. It is. I love it. And I think there are a lot of people that don't read. Not everyone reads. A book. Yeah, exactly. Readers like audiobooks, And I did get to read this book. So yes, please. If you're, if you're a podcast listener and you like audiobooks. I did read Rhythms of Renewal. So good. Yeah. All right. I'll link to it. Yeah. Hearing it in your voice will be so much better than some actor. Yeah, so I just realized I was like, um, not every, I want to make sure people can still get these rhythms. It's however, about the message. However they need to get it. Right. So the podcast has been a fun outlet for that. Right. Cool. All right. Well, along with that, tell my listeners where else they can find you. Just, um, my website is Rebecca Lyons.com and I'm at Rebecca Lyons on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the things. Cool. And my name is spelled R E B E K A H. Yeah. And I'll link to you. Yeah. That's, yep. that's sometimes, you know, spelled different for most people. So I just always have to clarify that. And then rhythms, the rhythms 
of renewal is Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold. And um, yeah, you can get it even on my and website. And truly, I mean, we talk about self-care and about <laughs> burnout and all of that all the time here. This book to anyone who is struggling with anxiety, struggling with burnout, struggling with just all of the burdens that we carry as moms, it really is a gift. And I think it hits that sweet spot of um, truth and theology and and like you, the practicals, the, okay, so now what? <laughs> like, yeah, I want this, so now what? And it, it really is a beautiful book. It's a gift, you're a gift. Thank, Thank you. you so much for spending this time with me today, Rebecca. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can find us online, www.realmompodcast.com or on iTunes and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmompodcast or Instagram at realmompodcast. Thanks so much for listening.